Check Radio. This is Coach Joe Mike Paul. And Dr. Nick Belden. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. I wanted to share with you just a piece about the content you're about to hear. And just a quick reminder to everybody that the contents of this podcast are for educational purposes only and are not intended to diagnose or treat any condition. And please speak with your physician before applying any of this information you hear in this podcast. way last time because I'm looking at the input on here and last time I think I don't know that I did the omnidirectional mm. but, but the it still sounded good, good. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. that was good so alright we're fully equipped with coffee I don't know about you but I'm, I'm now officially and appropriately caffeinated just barely missed my noon cut. I know, I was going to say, we're, we're running past the, uh, the appropriate time there. The noon yeah. time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I only got a little bit less, so I'm doing pretty good. Decaf is the other one. Um, so, what I was going to say is, so, we're always coming in, having lunch a little bit before. It's just kind of, works out, right? Yeah. Have a little time to just kind of like, let the week settle over. Right. Catch up a little bit. Yeah. And then my nose started dripping all over the place because I was eating, and then I asked you about it. I was like, it's funny because Allie and I have kind of like talked about this, is like, what is this? And we just like, shoot for the stars. Right? Yeah. And this is what we all do. Right. When something happens, right? Yeah. You feel one thing that's out of whack with your yeah. body. And it's like. You find your favorite search engine. WebMD. You go to the keywords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I told you that I had kind of pulled up, uh, like, little background on the usefulness of being an English major I basically like another way that I say it is like I majored in um, understanding research and like literally like, searching for information yeah I was like such, like everyone has to write like bibliographies and stuff like that but yeah like, you have to dig so anyway I won't go too deep into that but I feel really confident with searches so I'm like post drip done that a few times and picked out like the common themes and then I was just like Alright, this might be up next alley. Yeah. So, what, like, dive into it. Because I asked you and I was like, alright, hold up, just save it. We're going to go into this on the podcast. Right. People need to know about this. Right. So, what's the deal with the post-nasal drip? Okay, so full, full transparency here. About five years ago or so, I also did exactly what you did. When I went to my favorite search engine, probably came across WebMD and typed in, post-nasal drip after I eat, what is happening? And got a lot of mumbo jumbo that didn't make sense to me. And then also didn't sound like the situation. And they said, oh, it's allergies. And I said, no, 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 like I don't, it, it only happens when I eat. And when I fast, I'm fine. So it's right. not allergies, it's something that's happening in either the food I'm eating or what I'm eating is affecting this. And so what we, have to understand first is our immune system so the thing the job of the immune system is to prevent stuff from getting in that our body doesn't want and then to let stuff in that it wants but sometimes because of a myriad of things the immune system starts to say no no to stuff we do all the time and part of our immune system lives within our nose. There's mucous membranes within the lining of the nose. And anywhere where there's mucous membranes, there's the immune system. And it makes sense you'd have it in the nose because what are you breathing in? 
or I mean, yeah, I just gave it away. <laughs> but when you're breathing in, you're literally breathing in stuff from the outside world. So your body has to basically take an inventory of that and has to use its business card to say, oh, hey, is this something we want to let in or not? It has to go through the interview process. <laughs> I have a question. I hope this doesn't derail. No, please. So like when we think about digestion, we can break that down into so many different ways, but I think it could be helpful if for no one else, at least me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, why, but, that's why we have this. Yeah. Uh, but that is, so like digestion is, people mostly just think of that as like what happens in your gut, right? right? Or your belly or whatever. But it actually starts, there, there's like multiple stages, but like kind of like the two biggest things are like mechanical digestion. Right. And then you actually have like what's going on in your gut. Mm-hmm. And so would you say that this is like a same thing with like immune, like your immune system, your digestive system has this sort of like physical mechanical like filtering because that's yes. what's happening through your nose yeah. before it starts working into your system where now we have okay we have more things at play like the composition of your blood yeah and, you know other other players in the immune right. system well i like that you mentioned the gut because 70 percent of those mucous membranes so majority of the mucous membrane volume is in your gut so whenever you hear people say your immune system mostly lives within their gut that's what they're talking about. The volume of those mucus linings is mostly housed within your gut. And again, that makes sense because not only breathing in stuff is when are you going to encounter the most amount of outside things, but when you eat it. So when you eat stuff, your body's could be either the first exposure to it or it's had repeated exposure. Either way, that's the perfect opportunity for your immune system to basically check the yes or no box. I really like that like yeah. simple kind of like look at it. So. I want to go back. You said something about basically like the good guys in. Just say that one more time. Yeah, that's so helpful. Like the immune system. So the ultimate job, if whenever the immune system, immune health has been such a buzzword over the last two years. And when it really boils down to things, the job of it is to attack stuff we don't want and to not attack stuff that we want. That's like the most fundamental thing it's doing. It's trying to keep stuff out we don't want and let stuff in we want. So cool. I love that. And I actually, it it helped me too to like segue into another thing we wanted to talk about. And that was how does, what, what role does now food variety play in? Yeah. And how do we, how do we approach that? Right. So, because that was part of the thing that we had talked about was, and if anyone's lost on like the post nasal drip thing, it's literally like you eat food, you know, starts running. Yeah. Very common actually. Yeah. And I'm always like, looking i have no sleeves left to run yeah, anymore the dishes are out disgusting. of whack yeah. yeah i'm like so it's one of those like i feel self-conscious about it and maybe you have too because for sure still it's, do it's just like yep. a thing yep. right like you feel a little bit flawed dude. yeah so let's let's run it back into that that variety conversation because you had even mentioned because actually, this is like the fourth time I've eaten lunch here, and it was yeah. like pretty much the same thing as the last three times. Yeah. So why did, why does that play a role? Right. So full transparency. First off, I'm not an immunologist. I'm not a, an expert in this area. This is from working with people clinically and tying in what I've my basic understanding of the immune system. It starts to make sense. So it could partially be food sensitivities or food reactions. And what people don't realize is that a lot of times the foods you're eating most often are the things that your immune system is most likely to react to. And that makes sense because let me tell you this, if you eat something nine times versus eat it once, 
which, this sounds like a really dumb question, but your immune system has greater exposure to which one of that number, nine or one? When you say it like that, I feel yeah. like it's nine. It's nine, right? Okay. And so people are like, oh, it's that food I ate one time that triggered it, and they don't even think to associate, hey, it's the thing you're eating most often that is likely driving your symptoms. And you, it becomes so normal that you don't even think it's the stuff you're doing most often. It's like when you think that you recovered better as it, you know, from hangovers as a young person when yeah. you really just didn't realize how much damage you were exactly. doing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you could fight it off and just keep going and crushing life when you were, you know, trying to go through math class in college or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But no, back back to the to the reality on that. So a common misconception, if I'm hearing you right, a common right. misconception for people is that they they think it's the one thing out of 10 yeah. that it upset their... Yeah, it was the one cheesecake I had on the weekend sure. that's driving all my symptoms. And for some people, yes, but for a lot of us that are health conscious and fitness minded and we're meal prepping, what are we doing when we're meal prepping? A lot of times we're prepping the same thing for a week, 10 days, and it makes sense, right? It's easy, it's convenient. But what we don't realize is that we could be introducing that same offending food every single day. And we don't even realize that it's, you know, it's the chicken rice and broccoli or it's the sardines, avocado and eggs, or it's the fermented foods that are driving all of our symptoms. So how can, can you go deeper into that? Yeah. Like how it's driving symptoms? Because I would imagine that it's not like, like I pick my specific foods that I eat throughout the week, even right. even if they're repetitive or, or somewhat varied, based on my ability to digest them and, right. and to have like a, you know quote unquote clean energy. Yeah, because that's ultimately what we want. Right, right is to eat good food that also feels good. Yeah. So what does that what does yeah, that look just, like? Yeah, yeah, like just yeah. go deeper. I'm like, okay, what's what what's the deal here then? Like, how do I how do you tease that out? Yeah. How, yeah. Can I do something about yeah, it? Yeah. And yes, I think, you know, I hope I didn't have to scare anyone, but thinking, oh my God, I can never meal prep again. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you are someone who's experiencing post-nasal drip after every time you eat, maybe we need to think about adding more of a food rotation into the way you approach nutrition. So maybe you can prep food, but maybe you prep certain food for two days at a time and then a different food for two days at a time and we're getting variety maybe a little more frequently sure. and some people even have to go to the extreme most people don't of rotating food every day so that that's what i was going to ask you on is because i'm really big on this right, right. and like so uh, again yeah understanding scope between two different styles of of patients or clients or how we you and I operate right. right who we're working with and so for me the way variety is more of a consistency thing yeah right and definitely sometimes a, a gut thing where it's like okay how do we how do we make sure to get enough variety so that you know your, your gut is is working it's not like right. dormant right yeah. I have another analogy that I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce off you later. Hopefully I remember it. But if I rebound it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, introducing variety is is more about just like you know for me I'll say okay here we're gonna prep two proteins, two carbs, two veggies, two okay. fats, and you're gonna mix and match. Yeah. Instead of like that. you're gonna have you know the chicken rice and broccoli for lunch Monday through Friday. Yeah. And then next week it's chicken you know whatever. Right. But that way we're at least intermingling the ingredients. Yeah. 
And then the other thing that I'll say too, and this is, I would say, this is where it gets tricky, right? right. And where understanding the difference between maybe someone that you work with and I work with, right? saying that, hey, uh, for me, an advanced level client, I'll say, cool, you did white rice this week. Well, let's maybe experiment with wild rice next week. Yep. And then the week after that, white rice. And you can just kind of like rotate that way. Yeah. And I actually like that doing it on a week by week basis because okay. I think it's it's much more practical than doing it on a day by day basis because yeah. that can get incredibly cumbersome and expensive. But I think if you, know, if you meal prep on Sundays, take each Sunday as a way to meal prep different foods so like joe just said if it's chicken rice and broccoli on one sunday then next week it's beef sweet potato and you know cauliflower and that i think so like that was my question too, yeah right? it's like we is that enough like is weekly basis would you say for most people that's probably enough i would say for most people the needle? that's better than what they're doing now sure and if you again at the extreme case is the everyday but i think for the average human who's or average listener who's meal prepping all the time I think at least every week meal prepping differently, if not at bare minimum every two weeks, is a pretty good low-hanging fruit to go after. And then from there, we can start to get into some more nuanced strategies that you and I talked about. So I think too, and again, like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong or or add-on or anything like that, but one thing that I try to inspire people to do, you know, my clients, my audience, that sort of thing is to just make a small shift. Yeah. So again, that's kind of why I use the white rice, wild rice. They do have some you know, pretty varied function, but could we say that like, is it is it enough change to go from like jasmine rice to one week to basmati when it's really like kind of like, is that not different enough? Yeah. If, or or so like, if, if it is an immune system reaction, so the immune system reacts to proteins. Sure. So if it's, Wild rice and long grain rice, they're pretty similar from a molecular structure okay. and the protein sequences. So, you know, those of you in biology class, amino acids make up proteins. So if they're both in the rice family, they both might be too similar Got it. to not get variety to your immune system. So now, maybe from your microbiome perspective, they're different types of fiber. But from the immune system, that's something completely different. And this is where when people just say, oh, take this for gut health. Gut health is so nuanced that unless you've spent time understanding that the microbiome is different than the immune system and the immune system is different from the microbiome, they play off one another. But you almost have to do stuff for each part of each each organ, essentially, or each body system. I like that. I like the breakdown. So maybe we zoom out a little bit more in terms of like, you know, in this example, like a starch. So, like you said, instead of the rice, it's sweet potato. Yeah, right? so that, that's different. We're still like protein. checking the starch box. Yes, but it has a different molecular compound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotcha. And that's a good way. That's that's good. That's helpful. It's yeah. challenging. It is because like, and, and I'll be the first to say too. Like, I eat more carbs. I have a more carb demanding lifestyle than most. Right. So the variety is more of a challenge for me. Yeah. Because it's like I don't. In the past, I've needed to eat oats, rice, and potatoes yeah. in a single day yeah. just to get the variety. Right. Which now I'm lower in carbs, so I can vary that up more, which is probably better from an immune health standpoint. Potentially, yeah. There's actually, sh- sugar is just sugar, so it's just carbohydrates. Yeah. So the immune system itself isn't going to react to the protein and sugar. Yeah. I mean, you could run into some metabolic effects or some blood sugar dysregulation or feeding the wrong types of 
bugs, but from this surely immune system, it can't react to sugar. Like there's no protein structure to sugar, it's just carbs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I do think like super, super important point that we I really wasn't like anticipating coming out of that, but a lot of people, a lot of my clients will ask me and they'll they'll just be like Oh, you know, do do we need to track sugars and like, do we need to do this? This and like, look, we're following the the these lifestyle guidelines or you know a a quality and quantity focused diet. You don't have to worry about like tracking that right the amount of sugars because all carbs are sugars. Mm-hmm. And if you're not adding sugar intentionally to your diet, it's not really something we have to worry about. At least you know again. Under Scope, my clients, not really something we have to worry about a ton of. It's just like, you gotta track carbs, and carbs are sugars. Yeah. Like, let's not, you know, let, let's not, like, create, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. Right? Like, let's keep it simple. Track the macros and get consistent with those, and that way we can dive into deeper issues. Maybe it is something that is irritating. Maybe it's the type of carb. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like then I can troubleshoot a little bit more on that side. Yeah. So um, anyway, that was just a point I wanted to make was like, yes, like carbohydrates are like literally sugar molecules. Yeah. Right. It's up to you as you're tracking to, hey, look at the nutrition labels or understand the type of food that you're taking in. Right. And basically, if it doesn't have a nutrition label, that's probably the best Yeah, it's probably a good idea, right? If there's nothing to read. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're you're doing it fairly right. Right. Yeah. I just, I kind of want to put a bow on that. For some people, it could also be, so some of you may be familiar with this molecule called histamine, and that's associated with typically allergic reactions, and oh, you get hives, your throat closes up, and you get weird itchy skin, and and people take antihistamines if they have a runny nose to try and help, and they just associate that with allergies. Right. Well, some foods are actually higher in dietary histidine, which is Again, an amino acid. We're getting real nuanced, but I promise we'll come back out to the top. And some of these foods are the healthier foods. And these could be things like avocados and cured and canned meats like bacon and sardines and sausages for you paleo lovers out there. And sometimes you could just be eating too much dietary histamine-relating foods, and then you get a runny nose because you have too much histamine. And a really good way to test that is... You know, I'm not always the biggest fan of taking Benadryl or Zyrtec or anything like that, but you could take that with a meal, and if you normally get a runny nose and taking that makes it go away, it's like, okay, it was a histamine issue. Yeah. So now we have to troubleshoot, are we eating too much histamine? Have we let food sit out for too long and they've accumulated histamine? Because as you let food sit, weird chemical reactions take place and more histamine is created. So then we can start to pinpoint and double click on okay it is histamine let's work on strategies to figure out how your body can tolerate it better cool so that was a lot no no it was, yeah. it was great and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something out there and see i'm curious what you think on this because it's important to understand i mean last last episode our first episode we were talking about experimenting on yourself and like right. using yourself as you know a case study this is a perfect situation where you might do that yeah and there's a better way to do this. What I what I wouldn't suggest is like we're recording this. It's Monday, right? If I did the same thing for dinner, 
and had a, foods that I usually would eat for dinner and like testing out that like whole histamine thing. Yeah. That might not be the best time to do it because I ate different yesterday. Right. On Sunday. Yeah. But on Thursday when I've eaten more or less the Normal. same yeah. lunch and, and dinners, right? Then on that Thursday it might be a really good opportunity because now it's like I have a full week of like or a four days of eating same types of food, getting the same symptoms as in getting post nasal drip each yeah. time. And now, you know, after let's just call it eight, seven of these experimental meals, on the eighth one, that that dinner on Thursday, then I'm like, all right, take it like before, I would guess. I would right? say during actually, during or even after. Okay, so take yeah. it take it during, right? And like now, like does that would that make sense? Like get yourself into this kind of like regulated space versus yeah. Because when you experiment things, you have to have a control. You do. And, and so like the seven meals are the yeah, control. And it's hard to make a control out of human life. But exactly. You do the best with what you have. Yeah. And that's, I'd say that's a decent strategy. And also, I know I said Zyrtec and Benadryl, great natural antihistamines would be things like quercetin, stinging nettle, N-acetylcysteine. And you can find any one of those three compounds is likely going to be in any natural antihistamine you find at your local health food store. Uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Maybe we'll... Um, be able to like put some links for in, in the notes for people to just kind of like get that visual yeah because like i know i was listening to a podcast the other day and i was like trying to look things oh no i was reading a book and they were talking about um these like natural like supplements they were talking about geranium and like then i like looked it up and there you know there's like 700 yeah, species and you're like of where it. do i go someone yeah. help me yeah so um you know we'll, we'll include that in the show notes yeah um, hopefully you remember that and get get to at least some examples of it right right uh I, I think that would be super helpful but another thing i want to touch in on was i think that if i had this like connection of words that maybe someone else also did but like where like histamine and inflammation yeah those two words again kind of Inflammation is definitely a buzzword. Histamine is, is coming up there. Yeah. Um, especially when we get into like the gut space. Yeah. Where, where do those two relate? How does that play into this? I think that's a that's a really good question, and that's a that's a, that's a good good conversation. I think you have to answer it all in complete detail. Yeah. <laughs> you have to give my cited sources and my PubMed references. Yeah. You know, I think inflammation. So when people are hearing histamine and inflammation in the same sentence, yeah, what's, okay, what's happening most of the time? Okay, then? so what what could be happening is, so if your immune system is reacting to you eating too much histamine, inflammation is just how the immune system talks. So it's just whenever you hear the word inflammation, a lot of times it's immune system communication that could be good, such as when you're trying to build muscle and you want inflammation to help repair, that could be bad if you're chronically consuming too many calories and then you have this low level systemic inflammation. Yes. So that was like you said, kind of like the key words that I was looking for there is that, you know, a lot of times we just see inflammation as enemy. Yeah. Right? Good like or bad. Red, yeah. red sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lights, yeah. Fire around the letters. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's not. No. So, Okay. What's our what's the explanation you gave? If the immune system is what communication network, right? Yeah, so so that's like, it, how it talks to each other. What what is inflammation specifically? What is that message saying from the, the immune system? I, 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 I thought you said something. 
Oh, it would probably more so be like, hey, let's react. Got it. Got yeah. It. Got yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense. But yeah, like I especially wanted to touch on the muscle building signal. Yeah. It's because so many people, my, myself included, have, have said this is like, oh, I'm just inflamed. Yeah. And it's just this like bad thing. Yeah. You know? And it, it, we just leave it there. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's, it's a necessary process. Right. And it's the same thing where people are like, oh, you need more omega-3s. Those are the anti-inflammatory fats. Uh, and then yeah. you're like, you're inflamed because you have so many, you know, like omega-6s. You got to like cut those out or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, we just go immediately to this place. And that's a big message that we try to counter is that right. like, it's not like a lot of the things that we learn are embedded. Like there's truth embedded in it. But you have to, you have to do the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And it's really hard to try and uncover that when that's not what you look at right. every day. So you have to sort of go off the advice of experts that are saying this is good, this is bad, and you know, a lot. Of, let's be honest, a lot of us just don't have the time to go down these nuances. Yeah. 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 So, and that's why it's like, all right, let's air this out. Right? Yeah. Inflammation, not always a bad thing. Not always. It's a, bad a thing. message. Yeah. Right. It's a signal. Just like yeah. pain. Just like anxiety yeah sensations are telling you something yeah not necessarily like good or bad yeah and there's actually some fascinating literature that suggests if you take too much anti-inflammatories after a workout turmeric fish oil even NSAIDs you could blunt or take away all the beneficial effects of exercise yep yeah so yeah. if you dampen the inflammatory response not always a good idea yeah 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 that's that's good I mean also like I've been in that place where I had to like rely on NSAIDs yeah. to train. Yeah. Because was... they work. They take away the pain. They yeah. do a phenomenal job at that. Yeah. yeah. But it was also like, yeah, like I was still like getting some of the results, but my life was kind of miserable, but like then I wasn't getting results. Yeah. It's kind of this like cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You don't really move forward so much as you, you move in the cycle or circle right um and the results are pretty like negligible yeah you know and so it can be better just to step back out of that place and proceed in it you know in a way that's not so dependent right right on these other things against it yeah and just you know the daily leave or ibuprofen just yeah to, just to do what you want to do yeah yeah so to wrap it up if sometimes if you have a histamine problem histamine could induce inflammation in your body yeah. So one thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on is because when we talk about like food storage and, and meal prepping yeah. and kind of like the life cycle of that. Right. I think I may have mentioned this on, an, on another episode, but it's like the big thing that I try to stress with people is, um, and it's actually not from, it's, it's kind of ironic or coincidental, I should say. Yeah. But to keep food storage at like three to four days max and the reason that i suggest that is because you want to have another day midweek so that you're ready for the weekend yes because yeah. there's like how do i put this like i can't i can't equate it to a certain population but there are so few people if any who are going to get by with one prep day for seven days yeah it just is like you have to use the freezer and then yeah. you gotta rotate and then you gotta bulk and then freeze and yeah. recipes and which like, actually uh, we can double click on that but freezing is a good way to prevent a lot of that histamine accumulation okay so maybe yeah. that, maybe that is part of the yep. solution yep. so what i say usually is like all right you know 
this this typically works best for most people who at least work Monday through Friday, whether right. it's nine to five or whatever. Yeah. But you have a bulk day on Sunday, yeah. a bulk prep day, not just a cheat meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's good. But the, so you have bulk prep day on on Sunday, and maybe you spend an hour and a half or, or two just whatever getting ready, right? right? But set yourself up that you have to also do that again on maybe like a Thursday mm. and you do like a really really like quick or like low mm. skill yeah. prep you know maybe it's using the crock pot or you know like I'll grill steaks on on Thursdays I like that and then I'm just like while I'm grilling that I'm also roasting vegetables or whatever right, right. but that for me helps keep the life cycle relatively fresh yeah is there anything else that we should like that you know of that we should be paying attention to in terms of like storing that food, whether it's time, the type of container you already mentioned, freezing. I mean, I think in general, most people have probably become familiar with the idea that it's probably not good to heat plastic. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to prep meals, preferably do so in glass. And even if you're going to do it in plastic, put it on a ceramic plate or some kind of glass you know, dish when you heat it up. Because when you start to heat up plastic, you start leaching some of those harmful chemicals into the food and then and some people are like oh there's not a lot of all this long-term evidence and what i say is that look it's such it's so simple to just go from plastic or to glassware or to just take your plastically prepped meal and put it on a plate yeah that it's like why not try it yeah. like it's not a supplement it's not a fancy diet it's literally just either buying glass tupperware or just putting it on glass yeah 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 and, that, and that's important like we're i mean i'm i I'm like speaking for myself, I'm thinking of like, what's like the budget friendly way. And you already touched on that, right? right? And that's like, cool. You might have to be the weird person that keeps their, their plate at work. Like, yeah. It's not that weird. Get yeah. over it. You know, like yeah. these are just, it's such a simple way to avoid a very, very likely like toxin producing yeah. situation. Right. And I was like, why not? Yeah. Just rinse it off yeah. clean it off yeah. use it every single day yep it's not that big a deal yeah um, so yeah I like that also um, this is a side note but do you when you microwave your food do you you, you use a microwave mm-hmm. I do, do you, yeah do you try to okay. avoid yeah okay <laughs> yeah. I'll, you have any thought I'll just open it yeah. first before I get specific no I, I went through a phase where I when I f- was first learning about EMFs and those kind of Wi-Fi signals I was like oh my gosh there's you know, electrical activity taking place in a microwave, I shouldn't do that. And yeah. then you realize that all it's doing is heating up the molecules inside the food that are already there. Yeah. It's not really creating any harmful byproducts or, you know, harmful metabolites that we know of. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, yes, I use a microwave multiple times a day. <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know, for a while there, it was like everything was in the air fryer. I know. And then I was like, it got to the point where and I were using the air fryer so much it was actually counterproductive because you're like trying to like get this like texture and you're like timing things up and right. like layering it I'm like yeah. this is like I already made this food I'm yeah. just reheating it, it and it's taking 15 to 20 minutes yeah like I might as well just made it fresh yeah the, oh yeah yeah but then like so the story is that our air fryer actually shorted it broke uh. and so we couldn't use it anymore and then like a week later I'm like not really upset yeah i did love it yeah i love yeah. it like it, it's texture like you can't get with other you know appliances but right i was just like whatever but one thing i did start to do and i'm curious now on, on your input on this is 
I'll use lower power levels on my microwave and there's a couple of reasons. Well, one is, again, I don't do this coming from like this like super like known space, yeah. like known quantity, like the EMF stuff, yeah. but it's kind of just like that, like let's, I don't know, let's just see, like, play it, with it could be, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I lowered the power level and I was like, all right, so lower, you know, frequency, less stuff passing through it. Yeah. That, that's good, right? But the other reason I did that was because you just can't cook the food evenly always when it's just like blasting on yeah. full wattage. So like the reheat versus the, yeah. uh, the cook settings. I think a lot of microwaves have that updated yeah. now. Yeah. So like I'll, yeah. I'll cook it like slow and low. And I'm just like trying to take that that mindset longer oh, into food right. to reduce the the nutrient destruction yeah and i don't know enough about that to say or or like i don't have enough evidence like even anecdotally to be like i feel so much better but like my food is is heated more evenly yeah and let's say i'm reheating a steak yeah that i cook medium rare yeah if i cook it on full blast there's no there's no controlling it yeah I can't like, and sometimes it blows up. Yeah, and all this clean the whole microwave. All, all yeah. this stuff, right? It's like who did this? Yeah. So then I'm like, <laughs> um, and then so now I've been putting it on lower settings. Okay. I try to play in the five to six range. Okay. Make it longer, and like during that time, I'm just getting other stuff ready, or maybe I'm even prepping tomorrow's meals yeah. because I'm like, all right, I you know like. I made my dinner here, so I'll get the other thing right. So it's like, it's kind of this like useful application. Yeah. But then when I pull it out too, you can tell it's not burnt. Yeah. Like, and there's still like pink meat okay. on the on the steak. And that's yeah. the best example because it's not like, it does, doesn't turn into this like well done yeah. steak just because I eat it reheated. Right. So I don't know. I'm just curious, like, do you, do you, have you messed with that at no, all? I mean, yeah. I'm in terms of how it changes the nutritional quality. I'm not too sure about that, but yeah. I just know anecdotally, I prefer the reheat setting. Yeah. Because like you said, then it, okay. I feel like when you do the normal setting, it just cooks the outside a yes, lot. Yes. When a microwave is intended to actually cook it from the inside out. Okay. Something about the reheat setting cooks it more evenly. And that's what I've found. And like, I've never even messed with that. Yeah. So I just kind of like intuitively do the power level yeah. thing and like have done my own like trial and error. Yeah. But power level you using like an easy bake oven when you get Yeah. Five or six. Yeah. So, no, but I think that that's what the reheat does is just like. Yeah. I think it's at a lower wattage. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that that's like a good like the, one of the things that Nick and I wanted to like really get across in this in this conversation was just like some of the simpler like touch points that you can have throughout your day. And maybe your microwave setting isn't so much like maybe it's not the detail right. of the microwave setting, but maybe it's the thought process of what am I doing on a daily basis mm. and what's my feedback to look at, such as you know, is my nose dripping? Yeah. Or like <clears throat> does my you know, like, do my joints feel really inflamed after a certain type of exercise mm. or maybe a certain meal? Yeah. And, like, how to derive feedback from that, right? Yeah. I think one of my favorites, because I'm, I just love to talk about the gut, is bowel movements. Mm-hmm. So are you having a bowel movement hopefully at least once a day? And, I, unfortunately, I've worked with people who it's not uncommon for them to go days and even weeks at a time without having one, and they rely on magnesium or certain over-the-counter laxatives and it's just 
you know, pooping is one of your body's main ways of getting rid of stuff it doesn't want, right? We just one talked of, about that with the immune system. One of life's best treasures. And if you have a good poop, it just sets the tone. And you're <laughs> gonna have you're gonna have an amazing day. So I think that's a really good feedback system is, hey, are you pooping every day? And is that poop easy to pass? Is it really watery? Did you have to like hold on to the bars on both ends in order to get it out, right? What are your thoughts on squatty potties? You know? I actually use one, I love it. I, yeah, see? I love it. Yeah, they're, they're like, we're gonna have a product episode because this has already been something we've talked about, but like yeah. just things that have, you know, has nothing to do with like hacking specifically. It's just like, hey, here's shit we've tried that worked for us. That helps you shit. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it's gonna go beyond just shits, but yeah. <laughs> to keep it on that on that topic today is, um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's like, it's such a, a daily report card. It is, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's insane. I couldn't imagine like, a week or a month and you know that's to no one's shame if that's happening to you no Please, not by any means by all yeah. means like let's do something about it yeah you know um but i'm i also too have like because i've gone through it right i just can't imagine that that timeline because i've you know if it's like three days if i go through like you know my national guard drills yeah they're like three days and it's just it's a I'm out of routine. Yep. Very little control. High stress. Yeah. And I'm like, I almost never even go to the bathroom. Yeah. On the whole weekend. Yep. And it's like, and the other thing is, I'm like eating these MREs. Yeah. It's just like a preservative yep. bomb. Right. And um, it, it it just is like, it also touches on the other aspects of digestion and bowel movements that aren't strictly related to food. Right. Um, you know, in that, in that instance, but this is just a powerful daily report card. Yeah. I just keep, I always go back to that. Yeah. I always feel for you guys that have to they eat the MREs and these, <laughs> I've, I've never experienced it myself, but I've, I've tasted, my buddy was in the army, I've tasted one and I'm like, oh man, this is a, I can see why you wouldn't get used to this over a couple of days at a time. I, I sense a YouTube video. Yeah. I got a few at home. Yeah. I just have to try it out. What does what the Funk Med guy say about, about MRE? MRE, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good clickbait. Yeah, yeah. Um, personally, it's so funny because, um, I mean, if you're if you're in the military or if you've eaten MREs before, maybe you use them for camping or whatever, I would say it's more of a military thing, but it's one of the things that we talk about. It's like, Literally by day two, it's all you're talking about. Yeah, it's because it's the most easy thing. It's everyone commiserates. Yeah, but then you're like, suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, but then also you're like, oh, this one's my favorite, and it's oh. like, you're talk, <laughs> yeah. it's like you're talking about restaurants. Yeah, you're talking about these like <laughs> shitty MREs. Yeah, it's so funny. Every it happens every time. That's great. Oh uh, yeah. So I I definitely think paying attention to. So we talked like that, the post-diesel drip. That was one. I was surprised too. Like, I guess, I don't know. I talked to Allie about it because I was just like voicing my my struggles. Right. But it seems like it's relatively like common. It is. Like, super common or just like kind of like, nah, normal? Well, or... I think especially around springtime, as allergies or as pollen starts to become more prevalent, people notice it more. So allergies do make it worse, but I still, the people in the middle of summer when it's so dry, you know, here in Arizona that barely anything can grow and people still get it. Yeah. So that's like, hey, it's not just allergy season that's causing this. I mean, yeah. this is something bigger underneath going on. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that's a, that's an important one uh, to to pay attention to. We talk a little bit about bowel movements. The other thing that and I touched on it before, and that was there's more than just food and like digestion. Like yeah, that's that would be a very constricted like view of the variables for sure of bowel movements yeah. where you have things like stress and hydration. Yeah, and I was freaking out because I back in. So like a year ago, I started running a, a lot more. Right. I was already running like a little bit, and I'm like, couldn't have a solid shit yeah. for like months, uh, and didn't know what it was. Yeah. Right. But it's like I see that a lot with runners. But, but yeah, because yeah. you're literally like bouncing everything yep. around. Yep. And it's like a, a further deconstruction of the food. Mm-hmm. And I was so I was like freaking out. Like, is it stress? I also thought too. I mean, I was too at the time, and this did help consuming a ton of plant-based milk yeah which was a lot just in general so i had plant-based milk i had plant-based protein a little bit and a lot of chia and so just like all those plant-based sources it's possible that that was affecting you know the composition but also the carrageenans mm, that right like yeah, that are yep. in some of the processed milk yeah, yeah yeah so yeah. like you can imagine like if it breaks down the milk, yeah, what's it's it probably going to have the same effect in the yeah. body. I, I mean, that's my like natural interpretation of it. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually like true or not, but I decreased it and I decreased like some of those sources, and it got better. But then I also just recognized that like when you run a lot, yeah, this happens. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Is you know. You can go down the rabbit hole of, oh, emulsifiers kill off the microbiome in these lab studies, but then how do you feel yeah. when you get rid of them, right? I think we always go back to the N of 1. I think the N of 1 is so powerful for yourself because what works for you may not work for somebody else and vice versa. Yeah. 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 It's just paying attention to that. Yeah. That's the hard part, right, is to yeah. being able to in- internalize it and silence everything and know the signals your body's giving you back because it'll give you signals all day yeah if you if you're there to listen oh yeah yeah would you even say that sometimes we create signals we do i mean yeah anxiety those a lot of those mental symptoms are like created from our belief about the future and the past and expectations versus reality and get anxious it changes your gi function i mean you cascades yeah 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 that's wild i was um i was on this kick there's there's another feedback I want to get to just in terms of something you can listen to every day. But before we get into that, it was, uh, I actually posted it on my Instagram story and that is, uh, chronic experiences become our identity. Mm, and yes. So one example of this that, you know, a couple examples, right? Maybe it's back pain when you work out Yep. or knee pain or any type of pain when you do exercise, or maybe it's bloating or like some of these other you know feedbacks that we're getting from nutrition mm-hmm. so it's rewiring that that pathway and, it, and I think you did a pretty good job of this because we had our our presentation uh, you know like a month-ish ago right a month and a half ago you're talking about how sometimes your body needs these foods and it was a slide of burgers and fries mm-hmm. Right versus the full plate of just like straight up fiber. Yeah. Right. I, I think the, the rainbow, like, the rainbow and yeah, fiber. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, just I can't remember exactly where. Oh yeah, the chronic, the chronic thing. Identity. identity. Yeah. yeah. See that a lot. Yep. And so like it's kind of like 
how do you restructure your own beliefs about yourself yeah. to enable yourself growth and progress. Yeah, that's tough. That's a big thing for you though. Like yeah. you're able to do that. That that's like a skill that you have pretty good with people in functions of the gut. Yeah, well, A, I, I appreciate that. And, and a lot of that, there is actually healing power in tribalism. So when you can identify with a disease or a symptom or a diagnosis, and you go on the Facebook group that is the Hashimoto's Facebook group or the yeah. IBS or the back pain Facebook group, developing that community makes you feel a part of something. That's... And we know that that can assist with healing. Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, if you become attached to your low back pain or your IBS, you're literally telling your brain and your nervous system that is a part of who we are. Yeah. And you have a specific part within the brain called the limbic system, which some of you may have been familiar with. It's basically this perfect combination of memory and fear. Memory, fear, and emotion. Okay. So some people have to go through what's called limbic system retraining Ooh. in order to get over their chronic health condition. Yeah. 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 That's powerful. I, something that I try to do is anytime I've been in like a Facebook group or a group coaching or something like that is really retrain my identity, which is maybe some of that limbic system retraining. Yeah. And that is like, for uh, as an example, maybe you're in a Facebook group and you go through a process, right? So I was getting ready for this military school. Right. I did the training that was ready, like getting ready for it. And then I graduated that school and became a veteran in that Facebook group, mm -hmm. right? I, I don't want, I want to use a different word than veteran, but I was on the, I was on the other side of the line of being experienced. Mm. And so when we talk about identity, maybe you're in a Hashimoto's group, yeah. an IBS group. Yeah, and that's okay. Yeah, perfectly okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and like maybe you enter that group as someone who's lost and confused and working on it. Yeah. But maybe you stay in that group as someone who's overcome most of the challenges. Mm -hmm. Maybe you still go through some of it and yeah. like all of us do, right? We all go through things that we've experienced in the past. You know, like it's not super common for people to just never have the problem ever again. Right. But in terms of the identity shift is like, hey, I joined this group as someone who had IBS mm -hmm. and now I am a contributor to this group as yeah. someone who has a lot better control. Yeah. And so like that in terms of an idea, like that's what I do. Yeah. And that's what I would encourage everyone to do when because I, I like that you brought up the tribalism. Yeah. This is the validation. You're not alone. Other people struggle with this. Right. And overcome it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's one of the things that we as humans love to do is feel valued. And when you've gone through a struggle and you can help someone else go through that same struggle you went through, I mean, that's it's kind of the holy grail in what you're going after in life is to help help yourself and then use those tools that helped you help someone else. Yeah. And once you get on that cycle, man, that's that's a great life right there. Yeah. 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 yeah it's kind of like purpose filled. What do you say? I said it's purpose filled. Purpose filled. Yeah. 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 And that's th this kind of goes into like a maybe a different you know dimension of this conversation, but just like a fun thing to entertain is like especially in like the coaching or. I'll, I'll just speak on my behalf in the coaching world it's like get coached so have a mentor mm -hmm. and then have friends mm -hmm. peers that you can you know interact with and then lead someone else mm -hmm. and that's uh, another timeline that sort of relates to what I was just talking about right you know someone you have someone with less experience relatively same and then more yeah experience. that's a good circle and yeah. that that can contribute to your overall experience and growth and breadth of knowledge right 
so those I, I really like those as like really really good takeaways but I know that like I think it would be really really helpful to talk about like bloating I think is this one mm. thing that just comes up so yeah. often yeah I've heard you talk about it yep right my wife and I will like be like oh yep it was it's funny the reason other reason I want to bring it up is because you said like the nine out of ten yeah because I will look at the one yeah everybody does yeah so like all right because it makes the most sense I'm ready to be enlightened yeah but any but like what what like what can you tell us about like what is this feedback oh man yep Bloating is one of the more vague and unspecific symptoms, okay. meaning that it's it's really hard to figure out which thing it was that caused this. Because sure. bloating could be anything from hormonal imbalances to thyroid issues to foods you just ate causing that to drinking too much water at one time with your meals. I mean, there's this bloating has this massive umbrella that you have to double down on and figure out like what is the main driver of it. So the look that Nick gave me right after I asked that question, just so you know, if you're not watching directly in the room, yeah, yeah. you would, wouldn't have caught it. But he was kind of like the look on his face said, "All right, this might be like a podcast series yeah. versus a grab and go." Yeah. So um, I would love you to dive in, maybe a little bit, just kind of like touch on each of those things. Right. But the basic, uh, something really powerful that everyone can take away right now is that it might not be the one thing. Yeah. There are different things. And and also, like, there's probably different sensations of bloat. Like, I know when I have, like, a water bloat. Yes. Versus a food sensitivity bloat. Yes. And maybe you don't if you're listening to this, but if you pay enough attention, you can start to kind of, like, pick apart the sensations. Yes. And there's, there's some really good literature that shows that some people with IBS have a lower threshold for feeling that bloating. So for whatever reason, the same amount of, whether it be gas or actual food mixture or water content, mm -hmm. they feel bloated with a less amount versus someone who hasn't been diagnosed with IBS. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's even a threshold thing. That's where, again, it's just, it's so complex. It sounds so simple. Like, oh, I'm bloated. It must've been ice cream. Yeah. It's like, could have been. Now, is that the same thing as like the tribal? Do you think that like we, if we say that, oh, I'm bloated, must have been this. Like, is that important? Is that just something that we, do you think we like naturally do that? Just like want to know that we can't just like accept that that was like a bloat that happened yeah. from something we did. Like it has to be. We have to identify it to something. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it makes us sleep at night, right? It makes us create that, that justifies that self justification and get rid of the cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and I think it does it does help. But it, I would say, and, and please add to this if you, if you see it fit, but maybe that was too loaded of a question just in terms of the bloat. I didn't even know that. I just yeah. threw it out there. But, um, so you know it's authentic here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think that there is, like, again, takeaway from this, and that is to, all right, maybe you are experiencing it. Maybe it's not the one thing, but maybe you can start paying attention to it. And another, you know, like maybe is like you might not have that sensitivity as you were saying. Right. Someone with IBS versus yeah. someone who doesn't. Um, but just paying attention to it. Would you say, would you say, because we were talking about rotating foods yeah. and variety, is there value in like before someone goes like full elimination diet, right? And goes like all in on that. Yeah. Because that's a tool that we met ne not necessarily need immediately. Right. But is there something that someone can
can do when they're kind of like noticing this bloat they can kind of experiment with off the bat or is it something mm. where you'd say well let's get some questions answered by someone yeah so i think I'm, I'm actually doing this myself right now because even someone who loves to help people with gut issues i go through gut issues transiently sometimes so i'm always troubleshooting myself and one thing you can do if it's associated with after meals and that's when you mostly get bloating that tells you it could be more food related Okay. And what I'm doing now is I finish a meal and then 30 minutes afterward, because it takes about 30 minutes, depending on how big the meal was for it to leave the stomach. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write down, hey, do I feel bloating? Am I feeling any gas? And then I record or I make a note two hours after I finish the meal, because by the two hour mark is where it starts to get into the small intestine. And that's where, you know, people have heard of SIBO, yeah. maybe small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. If you're getting lots of bloating two hours after a meal or lots of gas, that could be an indication that it's something going on in the small intestine. Might not be SIBO, yeah. but that, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. And just to help identify, hey, what part of the GI is causing the bloating. I, I really that love that. It, yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and like, really simply, it's keeping, keeping a log. Right. right. It's like maybe you're not tracking macros right now, which, you know, for me, performance world, it's going to be really, really important. And maybe you are right. It doesn't matter so, so much in this conversation that we're talking about, like the specific macros, but the the sources of food and then the response. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And then maybe it becomes something where it's like, well, how much and that sort of thing. But if you're literally just keeping track of like this is a question that I ask my clients a lot is hey you mentioned bloating in your your weekly update yeah is there a specific time it's happening yeah does it happen every friday night when you go out for drinks yeah or does it happen every lunch after you have a salad yeah or you know like is there a pattern yep if there's not can you can you start recording for me when this is happening yep and and again like within my scope of performance it's like maybe we adjust a couple things but maybe it does mean that hey I, I don't have the answer for you on this. It's probably time to get someone else to look at what's happening with the gut, where some of the causes, effects, and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think that simply having that log is is really important. And here's we're talking about low hanging fruit with bloating. Another thing is people that drink a lot of fluids when they eat. A lot of times it's just too much volume of stuff. So if you're drinking, if you have your gallon water jug or you have like your 24 ounce water and you have that along with your meal, sometimes that's just too much mixed together. Yeah. And so what I try to have people experiment with is to just drink less liquid when you eat. And only because a lot of people use liquid to wash down their food. It's like, no, you have a mouth. Yeah. You know, I think the there's a term that you're supposed to like eat your water and drink your food. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. So if you, if you don't, know what that means you go into your i want to hear how you explain it i'm curious so it's just i love that one people see they hear about gut or digestion they start it with the stomach yeah where it's actually digestion starts in the mouth and as you start to chew things you know our teeth are the strongest things on the on this freaking planet so they can break down anything so you start to chew your food saliva you know the thing we all wake up with and it's like sitting on the side of our mouth there's actually digestive enzymes present in there so if you chew your food enough times to turn it to liquid, by the time it gets to the stomach, there's, I mean, that's just greater efficiency right there. And then you're reducing the likelihood that you may run into bloating and gas and other symptoms of 
harmful or not, excuse me, not harmful, but less optimal digestion. Sure. Yeah. And what's it, say the saying again? It's eat your water, drink your food. So, but then the eat your water part, right? Yeah. So my understanding, yeah. that, so my understanding of that is it actually aligns perfectly with the drinking while you eat. Right. Is, um, I, actually, this is something I have to like go back to because um, this is definitely something we agreed is gonna be another episode, but like just some of my indigestion issues. And that happens actually more when I drink with my food. Mm. And so uh, one thing that I've done to help that in the past, and I've had some clients do this as well, is you can drink your water before, and then you can drink it afterwards, but don't drink anything while you eat. Yeah. And uh, see what happens. Yeah. Right. We'll see what happens. But the, the eat your water thing is, this is kind of like a micronutrient like hack or um, not euphemism, it's just a really quick way to understand like, okay, what, what foods have the most water in them? Mm. And it's fruits and veggies. Yep. So for me, that's my, it's, it's like, okay, eat your water. Okay, tomatoes, cucumbers, carrots, yeah. uh, watermelon, all these things that are containing a lot of hydrating fluids and it's not just straight up water. Yeah. Because sometimes we could just, like you said, the gallon a day. Yeah. Gallon a day. That's gallon I gotta a go day. for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you don't even think about the, the other ways that water can come into your diet. Exactly. So um, that's why I love that. Yeah. And I remember my analogy. So that was the that's best. Why full yeah. circle has arrived, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm curious on your thoughts on this, but something that I'll say is whether it's let's just say like whole foods yeah whole foods in general are going to have more surface area they're minimally processed yep they're going to make they're going to make your gut work harder right. but it's going to create a better environment and even cooking if it's a raw food can help reduce some of that stress and work that has to be done by the gut itself so it's not so much about making the gut work as hard as possible which is sometimes the error we make when we're yeah. like oh you need more fiber yeah and then it's like load the fiber on. Yeah, psyllium okay. husk by the tablespoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, good. So, like, that's a, one of the ways that I kind of, like, explain this to people is maybe I should expand it to whole foods, but I use it as fiber where it's, like, this is kind of like an assault bike for your gut. Mm. And and you can you can use more of it. Yeah. It's going to make your gut work harder. Right. And your gut's going to be conditioned better after it's used. Mm. But as you know, you can also go death by a salt bike yeah use too much at one <laughs> yeah, time yeah. and crawl out of the right day. so understanding that basically like whole foods fiber those sorts of things are gonna make your gut work a little bit harder but it's just like strength training where it's like on the other side of that you can have a stronger gut there's so, such a thing as too much yeah and you spill too a little, yeah, yeah exactly yeah so that analogy, it, it could work. It, it could, work. could I, yeah. There could be a little more nuance in that. It, 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 I, I'm biased because I work with a lot of people who have digestive issues. Yeah. So for them, eating the rainbow a lot of times makes them feel worse. Yeah. So if I give them that assault bike advice, they're gonna very end up quickly selling the assault bike for a rower because they feel yeah. like crap using the assault bike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. I'm learning. I'm learning. But that's you, what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you have a healthy gut, that's a decent strategy and a decent analogy. I like that one actually. I'm, I'm gonna tuck that one away. Yeah, yeah. like work on it. Yeah, bring it back. Yeah, yeah. See, see fine tune it. Put some WD-40. In yeah, the, yeah, in the exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think that that leaves everyone with some really good like here and now takeaways. Yeah. Here's what you can look at in your day. Yeah. Look at your poops. Yeah. Right. 
pay attention to those bullets. Yeah. See what's going on there. Ask yourself questions. Right. Internally check in. Yeah. 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 And then um, what was our other one there? Uh, nasal drip. Nasal drip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same thing. Pay attention. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Make note of it. If you have a history, like a log, the literal like diary that can help yeah sometimes it's nice to go back to pen and paper or even just the note section on the iphone i yeah. you know what i started with my fitness pal yeah and i did pen and paper for like six months and yeah. i don't know why i just like liked it better yeah i also found myself changing my food a lot less yeah <laughs> yeah get control of it yeah all right so let's move on to the hippie me head corner of the episode oh, my man. favorite things yeah. Do you want to lead it off or do you need me to lead it off? Let's let, let's let you go first. I got to think about that one. And for right. those of you that are new here, it's, you know, we go through our week and we identify the thing that was most meathead based of us. So was it like something with a barbell or did we do something crazy in the gym? And then something that was most like hippie, meditative, grounding, spiritual stuff. Yeah. Joe could probably explain that better than I can. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. If you ever have questions, just ask them. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So um, I'll go into my hippie part first because um, I actually kind of like jacked up my Achilles tendon. We were talking about that. And I've been exploring so much about like my feet, right? Yeah. And, like learning about my feet. I finally got the message. My Vivo Barefoots yeah. are coming in the mail. They're coming in, folks. <laughs> They're coming in. Barefoot so shoes are happening. It's yeah. going to be a YouTube video of my um, when I get them and like my experience with them. Mm. So I'll do that. But... Um, I've just been experimenting a lot with feet and the reason that it takes so long it has nothing to do with customer service they're based out of London so if anyone is ordering them it just takes a while um, so I've been working around with my feet trying to figure out like a lot of the injuries that happen for people that are running I accumulated too many running miles too fast in the midst of another program that I was doing so that said um, I had to kind of like reel back on that and the hippie part of my last week has been taking barefoot walks in the morning. Mm. Completely barefoot. Powerful. Full walk. Yeah. Go for it. Right? And um, I'm like this morning, this is the hippie part. I tested it out. And like as I'm walking through like the sidewalk in like the neighborhood adjacent mm. uh, to, to where I live, there's like sidewalks and then there's like these culverts of like grass mm -hmm. and then to split them is like a bed of rocks yeah like landscaping uh, around okay. so i walked over the rocks this morning i was like let them get the full uh, sensation that's very tony robbins of you <laughs> you can do anything yeah. walk over the rocks yeah. <laughs> so uh that was definitely the the hippie uh part of my week and just really trying to get grounded and mm. you know like it helps in the a mental sense to yeah. like to literally ground but also yeah. in the physical sense of just like getting in tune with my body yeah getting some input to exploring the feet. reactions yeah. yeah so um and then i would say on the meathead side of things was before i decided to look at some of these you know specific experiments or self-treatments on my feet was i did the quarterfinals across the quarterfinals and so my meathead moment was uh, slamming the barbell on my overhead squat. Yes. But it was the most it, proud moment. It yeah. was badass though because it yeah. was like I had no intent I obviously didn't finish the quarterfinals of my Achilles but had no intent on going like super super far by any means but the other total one rep max clean one rep max bench and one rep max overhead squat that just sounds I, fun i yeah. was like i told you earlier I was yeah. like, if there were a quarterfinals written for me this would be it that would be it but that specific event was my jam and so i was like 
you know, had yeah, got it stood up the overhead squad. Yeah, slam, slam it, it down, down. maybe Power a little flat. bit of a yell. Yeah, down. yeah, gosh. So that was like the epitome of meatheadedness. Yeah, There's something about weight overhead. That's yeah. just like, man, that was over my head, and I lifted it. If you can slam it, yeah, it's just so much cooler. Yeah, it gets a couple bounces in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, have I given you enough time? I think so, yeah, yeah. Me. I'll start with the, the meathead moment. So I'm currently training for an Olympic weightlifting meet. I'm, 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 I'm far less superior of a CrossFitter compared to Joe. <laughs> or far inferior, sorry, I said superior, not, even, not, not close. <laughs> I didn't even think Yeah, that. I didn't think about that. So I've been doing, ramping up my volume of Olympic weightlifting, so just, I get to do that bar slam thing about five times a week. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fun, just you know, every time to get better at the technique of things and just to, Something about, again, throwing a barbell over your head that just feels so good. And See, when it's on, it's on. And, yeah. and that's like, that that's almost like the epitome, that is actually almost the epitome of hippie me head and it's like combined that like yeah. meditative like barbell movement. Yeah. But we'll leave it in the me head category. Leave it in the and for category. the record, Nick is shredded, so he can talk all he wants about CrossFit, but he's like model human body composition oh, here. You know, it's the beer and Haagen-Dazs. Don't think you're with me. In the hippie moment. Man. They, maybe it doesn't even stand out to you. No, I'm, I remember as the week happened, I said, this would be great for the, the hippie moment, but yeah. it, they're escaping my mind. Well, I can tell you for a fact, maybe it'll give you time to come up with it, that Allie and I drove past the office this weekend and Nick was not barefoot, but he was. Oh, okay. Now I know mine. Okay. So I've been good. Sparked it. Yeah, I've been experimenting with. I have a lot of vision problems. I, I, myopia, like I can't see far away. So one thing I'm experimenting with, and this is not like ophthalmology or optometrist advice, is I'm looking at things in nature far away. So mm-hmm. my morning walks in the morning, I'm making a conscious effort to look at the outline of the mountain, and anytime um, there's greenery or trees in front of me i'm going back and forth between looking at the shrub or the tree and then the mountain line and just really trying to focus my gaze far away dude because so often when we read things are so close up in front that the the lens of the eye which is a muscle in and of itself starts to accommodate it's kind of like if you hold held your bicep like this the whole time how would it feel not great so when you're reading everything you know within a couple inches of your face the muscles of your eye start to be like a contracted bicep all the time I so when you look at stuff so far much. away in nature, yeah. you're essentially lengthening the bicep and lengthening the lens. Yeah. And it's just, especially if you don't do it, oh, it's amazing. And sometimes I even get this parasympathetic response because I'll start tearing up and start to look at things yeah. far enough. It's crazy. That is that is awesome. Yeah. And it's just like Nick and I had like a, a real bromant before we came in here. Oh, and we were just like, we just were just talking about like, just how we how we interact with our world, right? Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But that w- reminds me, even like when I'm reading at night, sometimes I'll get, or even in the morning, whatever. But like I'll kind of be like, tired, yeah, and I'll read with one eye. Oh, interesting. Maybe, maybe you've like ever texted with one eye when you're tired or something like that. Yeah. So, but I'm reading with one eye, and I'm like, okay, that's my dominant eye, and yeah. it always has been. Uh, and so, like in the past, I have closed that eye yeah and i've tried the other one and it's hard it is yeah it is hard yeah. but like i've heard of these things right again yeah. it's more of that like kind of like anecdotal yeah like retraining right but it's like you know for me 
you know, I use AirPods most of the time now, but it's like the same thing. I would always put it up to my left ear. Yeah. It's like instead trying the right ear. Yeah, brush your teeth with your left ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah things so like that. that's what, I mean, I just love, I love that. Those are, those are some good examples. That's a way to end an make. episode yeah. right there, folks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So right on. Well, um, hey, if you have a hippie me head moment that you want to share with us, go ahead, put it up there, post it, tag us. Um, I'm at Joe Mike Paul on Instagram. I'm at Dr. Nick Belden on Instagram. And you guys can find us, tag us, ask any questions you want. And if there's something that you want to see or see or hear us speak on on one of these episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out. Boom. Thanks for tuning in.